last week, and now we're going to look at the young husband, Joseph. So this is Matthew 1, 18 through 25. It'll be found on the inside of your bulletin. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The word of the Lord. Well, it's Christmas movie time continuing for the Rodriguez family. They threw something out a couple of days ago, a, a musical uh, redoing of The Sound of Music. Anybody see it? What do you think? What do you think? Pretty tough to, to try to uh, follow Julie Andrews, right? I don't care how good you are. You know, but you got to see the whole story, didn't you? The Von Trapp, uh, you know, the guy whose heart has moved and changed, and Maria who heads back to the Abbey, and uh, whoever the singer saying, the Abbey, you can't hide from this, you have to face your problems. And she goes back and does so. It was very strange. Last night, we had our Rudolph the Reindeer party. I know many of you have such a party with the common things. You uh, paint your nose red, and you wear antlers, and you make, you guys don't do this? <laughs> we do, okay, we had chocolate cupcake, and you know, the little pretzels for the antlers, and we watched Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer, and then we play Rudolph Trivia. We're a good pagan family, you know, that's what you do, right? So, the point being though, same issue for Rudolph, right? He runs away, but then he has to make a decision whether to come back and face his fears, or to go on living the way uh, he he uh, has lived before. You know, Christmas, much like life, is about choices. Always seems like there's two of them, you know, the hard way, the easy way, the one we want to take, the one we should take. It was J.K. Rowling, the famous writer, who says that it is the choices we make that reveal who we are, far more than our gifts or abilities. Rowling or Rowling, however you call her, ought to know. The story of J.K., I don't know if you know this or not, she was married, and she was abused in her marriage, and she was thrown out on the street with a child, jobless, no money, at rock bottom. And it said, uh, she said, failure was actually liberating. It meant stripping away the inessential. I stopped pretending to myself that I was anything other than what I was, and began to direct all my energy to finishing the only work that mattered to me. Had I really succeeded at anything else, I might never have found the determination to succeed in the one area where I truly belong. I was set free because my greatest fear had been realized and I was still alive. I still had a daughter whom I adored and an old typewriter and a big idea. And so rock bottom became a solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. You know, forever J.K. Rowling, oh, it's interesting, 
During this period, she was diagnosed with clinical depression and contemplated suicide. It was the feeling of her illness which brought her the idea of the Dementors, soul-sucking creatures introduced in the third book. She signed up for welfare benefits, describing herself as poor as it is possible to be in modern Britain without being homeless. You know, for every J.K. Rowling story, there's a story of someone else that we know. Maybe someone who hit rock bottom and never came up and chose that that was the path that was assigned to them. Life is about choices. It's about the choices that you and I make, the choices that Rudolph makes, and it's about the choice that Joseph makes. Because in this story, we see a young man confronted with a choice. His whole life is ahead of him. Everything that he's hoped and planned for is coming true. And all of a sudden, there's a wrinkle. His fiance is pregnant. And so what is Joseph to do? Well, take the easy way, or take the way that God has called him to take. We're going to spend some time getting in Joseph's life and in his heart, and hopefully through seeing how he lives, he can challenge us to live. Because life essentially consists of two paths. The path of man and the path of God. Choose your path and you will choose your destination. If you choose the path of man, the best thing you can ever have hope for is happiness. But if you choose the path of God, the least thing you can ever hope for is joy. Happiness and joy. The choice is ours. We're going to look at three things that Joseph had to work through in his journey. Number one, he had to give up his notion of happiness. He had a vision of what he thought happiness was. He had to let go of that before he could move forward. Number two, Joseph had to learn to walk in faith and obedience. And finally, number three, after doing that, it was only then that he was able to experience the joy of faithfulness. Because if you choose the path of man, the best you can hope for is happiness. But if you choose the path of God, the least you can hope for is joy. Well, let's take a look at Joseph. We know a little bit about him. He's probably somewhere between 18 and 20 years old. He's skilled. He's a craftsman. He's a carpenter. He's been trained by his father into a trade. Now, men usually around that time would marry 18 to 12. Women, would, uh, who we would call girls, would get married from 12 to 16. Remember, the life expectancy was shorter. And the reason men would get married later is because they had to build up enough income, enough money to be able to support a wife. It was a big deal back then getting married. You know, the right girl could make you or break you. And they were all too familiar with that proverb that it's better to sit on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a troublesome wife. I think of that often and I'm thankful that I chose the route that I chose. Yes. 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 Choosing the right gal is critical, okay? Well, somehow, Joseph figured out who was the right gal. It was... Uh, you know, the girl down the street, her name was Mary. Now, here's the way marriage was done back in ancient times. Okay, they didn't really meet each other in court. They never talked to each other alone. They may have never even physically spoken to one another. But the, 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 the uh, groom wanted her, and so the groom talked to his father, and if his father said yes, they went and they visited the other father. And if the father approved... Here's what happened. 
basically there would be three things. Number one, with the, with the bride-to-be, the betrothed being there, the groom would sign a contract, a covenant, saying, I was, I'm going to marry you. He would drink a cup. They would both drink this cup, symbolizing a covenant, a new covenant that is to occur. And he would pay a price. It was called the bride price, the money for her, so that she could be confident that when he would go away, and he would have to go away to prepare a place for her, he would not abandon her. Some of these things even take place today. That wedding ring is a symbol of the intention to marry by giving her something valuable. And so this groom would go, he would prepare this bridal chamber. I don't know if you've ever seen a Jewish wedding, you know, where they get married underneath this thing. It's a, it's a hoopah, yeah, it's a, a honeymoon chamber in his father's house. So they would come and they would live in it uh, for seven days. They wouldn't come out of there. Talk about honeymoon baptism by fire. I, mean, I don't know if I want that or if I want I'm not sure. But nonetheless, then they would have a house that he had built. And they would go live in this house. So Joseph liked Mary. And Mary's dad liked Joseph. And so the covenant was signed. The drink was taken. The bride price was paid. And things began. You see, the process was to build this. They were considered married in the sense that they would be called husband and wife. But the marriage hadn't been consummated. It would take about a year. It took about a year for two reasons. One, they had to construct, he had to construct the bridal chamber. And number two, they needed to make sure that the woman being delivered was not pregnant. In other words, the goods were not damaged, if I may put it crassly. And there was only one problem in the situation of Mary. She was. Mary was pregnant. It says here that this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be uh, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. See, the story gets out somehow to Joseph. And Joseph is confronted with the thing that is the nightmare that everybody thinks about. You see, this is the biggest honor and shame culture you can live in. You know, here in our culture, you know, if someone's married out of wedlock, people, it may raise people's eyes, or, or conceives out of wedlock, it may raise people's eyes. But back then, this is a question of honor, it's a question of shame. This is where honor killings occurred, and they did back then, they still do now. Because back then, it's not your status in terms of what you do with your job that determines your status. It's your status in the community. It's who you are as a people. And to be associated, I'm actually associated and engaged to this person who's found to be with child. You can understand the feelings that Joseph began to feel. How would this reflect upon me if I were to go ahead? How would we be ostracized from the community? He was a carpenter, and so his job depended on people giving him contracts. Well, people didn't give contracts to carpenters who had wives like this. What about shame that he would experience? He was a righteous man, remember? So he must have chosen a wife who he thought was righteous. And lo and behold, Joseph's plans for happiness came crashing down around his ears. How could he have reacted? How should he have reacted? 
Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, he had to do what should have been done. Roman law, Jewish law, demanded that a husband divorce his wife for unfaithfulness. And they were considered a husband and wife. In fact, Roman law said that if a man did not divorce his wife for unfaithfulness, he was a panderer who exploited his wife as a prostitute. He could have gone to the city gates, recouped the bride price that he had paid, impounded the dowry that was supposed to come to him, really made his stance clear that he wanted no part of this and wasn't involved with it. But Joseph knew that Mary's future would be a horrible one. She would never be married. She would always be ostracized. Her position would be one of loneliness and despair. And so Joseph, knowing that he could not marry her, showed mercy not because he had to, but because he wanted to. He made his decision, and he went to bed. But after he had considered this, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And like that, the angel was gone. How many dreams have you had when you woke up and you were sure that something had been said, and then you wondered if it had been said at all? I mean, it was only two sentences, wasn't it? from this angel that appeared in his dreams. Maybe it was a mistake because what he was saying was that I need to take this woman into my home. How could I do that? Well, it's because what is in her is from the Holy Spirit. And notice that this angel wasn't advising. He was telling, do this and don't be afraid. Why would he be afraid? Because it was against everything he stood for. He was moving from the life of happiness that he was excited for to the life of, I don't know what. And so Joseph, that night when he woke up, struggled with God. This isn't fair. This isn't, I don't know if you can relate to it, can you? Ever had one of those long nights? This isn't fair, what's happening to me? Why are they doing this to me in my job? They can't kick me out. Why does my wife continue to say these things? Why is she doing this? Why can't she understand? Why can't I see the kids? Why can't I? Why do I keep going back to the bottom? Life isn't fair. Why can't I have both? But life is always about choices, isn't it? It's always about a choice. And so Joseph, after the long nights of the soul, made his choice. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. At some point in the night, Joseph crossed the Rubicon. What he said was, the future I'm unsure of, but the path I am sure of. See, happiness is much more focused on the conditions around us. But joy is focused on a person. Happiness is focused on how I feel, but joy is focused on how God feels. And so Joseph 
decided, I will go and I will claim her as a wife. I will shelter her from shame and I will raise her, uh, raise the Son of God. Because my, the important thing in my life is not my happiness, but the joy of the Lord. I remember as a mild-mannered businessman, when the call came down to me to go to seminary, and uh, we were living happily ever after in a wonderful house with our kids and doing a lot of fun. Uh, and I tried to ignore this whisper that was in my head, this dream that seemed to be getting louder and louder every day. And then it occurred to me finally talking with my wife, this is the direction that I needed to go. Well, in regards to happiness, it was not a good decision. Because things had to change in the Rodriguez household, right? A house needed to change, incomes needed to change, decisions needed to change. I needed to start driving every week. I needed to stay overnight at a certain place. A lot of things that made our life a lot less happy, one could say, needed to occur. But you see, happiness is me-centered. Happiness is even other-centered. A happiness that's based on conditions will ultimately fail you. But joy is God-centered. And amidst, I didn't know what the future was, but I knew the path. And after talking with Leellen and agreeing to walk on that path with me, joy for us was pursuing the plan that God had for our life. Well, happiness was pursuing the plan I had for my life. See, happiness was based on my external circumstances, but joy was based on external God. And so I gave up, and our family gave up our notion of happiness. Because happiness, my friends, is an illusion. It's a fleeting moment. The things that we place our happiness on are not intended to possess our heart. Our true good is in another world. Our true treasure is Christ. Here's my advice for you. Don't let your happiness depend on something you may lose. Because sooner or later you will lose happiness. But it was C.S. Lewis that said, if you aim at heaven, you will get earth thrown in. But if you aim at earth, you will get neither. God did not call us for happy lives. He called us for joyful lives. And so Ellen and I and the kids took that step. And I can tell you it wasn't always happy. But it was joyful. Because there's something that happens in your life when you know that you're walking in the way that God has called you to walk. You could laugh at tomorrow because you have confidence in the God who is eternal. This was the struggle and challenge for Joseph and for myself. And so it is for you. You know, you may not be forced to make such a stark decision between honor and shame like Joseph and Mary. You may not have to make such a stark decision in terms of a career change or whatever. But I can assure you that there are two roads in your life in every situation. One in which you can seek happiness, and one in which you can seek joy. One in which you can seek yourself, or one in which you can seek God. And sometimes they lead in totally different directions. It was C.S. Lewis that said, the Christian way is different, harder and easier. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. 
I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it, but to have it out. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think innocent, as well as all the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. And so you and I must all make this decision. And so I ask you, what is that whisper in the dream of your life right now? What's the voice saying to you? I want you to go ask forgiveness to that person that you wronged. And I want you to rebuild that relationship. I want you to walk away from that deal. Because it, you know it's not about me. I want you to get out of that relationship with that guy. Because that is not the plan that I have for you. God is speaking to us. For if we ask, He will answer. If we seek, we will find. And if we knock, the door will be delivered. And so we have to check our heart at the door. We have to check our circumstances. We have to check God's word by which He speaks. And we have to check one another. Because sometimes I hear a dream that I think is from God. And the truth is it was just bad pizza. <laughs> it's true. So we must make a decision to live for another. Stay with me. It's good humor, but I've still got more stuff here. Stay with me. It's, we have to make a decision. To live for self is happiness. To live for God is joy. To live for the circumstances of this world is a, is a fleeting happiness. But to live for the joy of heaven, that is the joy of our heart. Because life consists of two paths, the path of man and the path of God. The path of man at the best will lead to happiness. But the path of God at the least will lead to joy. Joseph made the decision to give up his notion of happiness, and so it was time to walk forward in obedience. This is my second point. What did Joseph do? Look at verse 24. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Okay, things may have gotten joyful during that night, but they are about to get unhappy. Joseph woke up, and he acted. And he took his wife into his home. Now we've got to ask the question, how did this go about? Okay? Now, the way it would normally work, the bride price was given, the groom would go away, he'd fix up the place, and at the very end, the, the bride would know that things were getting closer and closer. There'd be whispers on the streets, and every night, she and her bridal companions would have oil lamps lit, waiting for the groom to come. And at some point, the groom would come with his wedding party, and it was unmistakable, and he would come and he would take the bride and steal her away. Literally, that's where that term came from, as the, as the, as the father and the, and the brothers looked the other way. He would steal her away to his home. See, the weddings back then, it wasn't about the bride. It was about the groom. If you had lived in Israel back then, you would be reading Groom Magazine. Okay, brides, they wouldn't be, what am I supposed to do, you know? Okay, it's about the groom because he's the one who's bringing. Well, here's the problem. First of all, Mary's nowhere to be found. And isn't it interesting? We see here that Gabriel comes to Mary first. And Mary goes ahead and what does she do? She leaves. Now, isn't that kind of strange? 
brand new. She's a young girl. She gets this dream. She's betrothed. She probably told her parents, right? I need to tell you all. The angel has spoken to me. I'm going to raise the Son of God. Really? <laughs> no, no, no. you got to believe me. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, there's either two things going on here. Her parents either think she's crazy or that she has gotten herself pregnant. So what happens in a situation like that? You know, people haven't changed. If there's a shameful situation that could bring disrepute on the family, what does one do with the daughter? Send her away. She needs to go away for a while. That's one possibility. Here's the other. They kicked her out. Possible they kicked her out. That the only place she had to go, isn't it interesting that, Jesus, that uh, the angel Gabriel said, even, your, even Elizabeth has a child. Whatever case, she left, and left quickly. Well, Joseph's building stuff, he's making stuff, he gets this message, he somehow has found out, notice that, okay, somehow the word has gotten out, whether from the hill country, or whether she's come back in. And so what does he do? He goes and he takes her in, but he does not marry her. That's a no-no. You can't do that, right? If you take her in, you're married because you consummate the marriage. That's the only reason the father will let you go, let his daughter go, so the marriage can be consummated. But they clearly aren't married, are they? Remember when they're going to Bethlehem to get registered? What did the scriptures say? And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth of Judea, to the city of David, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So Mary, for six to twelve months, she was with um, uh, Elizabeth. She, she was betrothed, but she wasn't married. Now, why do you think Mary went to Jerusalem, um, uh, to uh, Bethlehem? She didn't have to go. She wasn't married to him. I would suggest to you that the reason Mary had to go was she had nowhere else to live. Zechariah, yeah, I'm really losing it up here. Joseph took Mary into his home because Mary had nowhere else to go. And they had to endure the shame. There was no bridal party. There was no honeymoon. There was no shouting. There was no... Instantly making his decision as he got up and took Mary and brought her into his home. He now had to take care of Mary and the child in the midst of a community that believed he had committed the most egregious of sins. That is not a happy day. Isn't it interesting there are only two people that believed in Mary? Elizabeth and her husband. And those were the only two that she lived with. See, the step that Joseph took of giving up his notion of happiness to walk in faith and obedience was costly. It was dear. He had these mouths to feed. Did he have despair? Maybe. But I think he also had joy because he had the courage to do what was right. When something is unpopular, can you do the right thing? Joseph went on his own journey, walking in faith and obedience, and God met him. 
And right at the end of Joseph's strength, that's when God's power started. All may have abandoned him, but Jesus did not. And he remembered the words of his God, Do not fear, Joseph, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Surely, Joseph at night was able to say, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. My heart leaps for him and I will give thanks to him in song. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Surely he heard the call from God, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. See, it's one thing to know those as we read them. It's another thing to know them in the depths of your heart because God has delivered you with them. Joseph directly put himself in a position where he would need to trust God with everything and God met him there. See, truth be told, there are always two roads. And this cost that Joseph had to pay, God calls us to pay as well. The cost to follow Jesus is staggering and is only eclipsed by the rewards which are exponentially more staggering. See, my friends, wherever you are, even in this country, uh, comfortable country, God is calling you somewhere. He's calling you into a trial. He's calling you to take a risk, to go against the flow. What is it in your life where you have to move forward in faith and obedience? Maybe it's in my school. I'm a Christian, but nobody knows it, and I'm really happy it's staying that way. I'm just under the lights, living quietly. Maybe it's my work. Maybe it's the way I'm doing my work. Maybe it's the way I'm conducting myself. Maybe it's the way I'm living. Where God is saying, go in this path, but I'm so happy in this path. I did not call you to a happy life. I called you to a joyful life. And you will find joy when you give your life to me. God doesn't ask. God commands. And so we must make a decision. You know what the opposite of happiness is? Misery. But do you know what the opposite of joy is? It's fear. Most of us live our lives in fear. We'd rather be unhappy than find joy. God says, if you trust me, if you walk in my ways, even when everything is falling around you, you will not fear, for I am with you. Joseph experienced it. He gave up his notion of happiness. He walked in faith and obedience, and so he experienced the joy of faithfulness. You remember going on a car trip, ever when you were young with your parents? I love looking at those old photos. There's one of me and my, uh, uh, my sister, you know, we're probably, I don't know, 8, 10. We're in the back of a Pinto station wagon. That's safe. Right? There's, nobody's wearing a seatbelt. In the Pinto, driving to Carlsbad Caverns. And we're all, you know, kind of just splayed out here. You know, we're in the middle of nowhere. If, if we got thrown out, if my parents dropped us off, we had nowhere, I, I would have no idea where I was. But was I stressed? Uh-uh. Because even though I was in the middle of nowhere, I knew there was someone who knew where I was going. That was my parents. I'm in their car. I made that decision. See, I may not know where I'm going, but I'm going with you, is what Joseph said. 
So Joseph took that step, and life would never be the same. But think about what Joseph got to experience. A front row seat, watching the Son of God be born, looking to the eyes of the one that made him. He was the one who got to call him Jesus. Raising him up, trying to be the father of the one who is his God. Parenting the God most high. Who had the better life at the end of the day? The guy who settled down with the girl across the street and lived a happy life? Or the one who chose joy? I think the love between Mary and Joseph was a love that few, if any, have ever experienced because of what they had to go through. But they experienced God's care, they experienced His provision, they aimed at heaven, and they got earth thrown in. Did Joseph have a happy life? Yeah, he did. But what kind of life do you know? We're all in different places in our journey, right? There's some gray hair, and there's some babies in here too. But the call to follow the Lord is today for you. Will you heed it? Will you listen? Will you obey? I'm not up here to sell you happiness, but I am up here to sell you joy. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. In the end, life consists of two paths. The path of man and the path of God. Choose your path and you will choose your destination. If you choose the path of man, the best you can hope for is happiness. But if you choose the path of God, the least you can hope for is joy. Let's pray. Lord, you're so much bigger than the vision we have for our life. Your plans are so much greater than the hopes we have for our life. Lord, we are full of fear and anxiety. But you take hold of us and say, do not fear, be courageous. The joy of the Lord shall be your strength. Lord, help us to not be content, happy people focused on external circumstances. Lord, but help us to be joyful people focused on you and what you call us to do and be by your word and by your Holy Spirit, Lord. May the joy of the Lord be the strength of this church. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.